Virgil, welcome to G3 Ministries, officially announced as the Executive Director of Operations. So welcome to the team. Thanks so much, Josh, man. I'm incredibly excited to be a part. Yeah, well, we're thrilled to have you on board. And again, just uh, thinking about the future of G3 and lots of things that we have been dreaming and praying about, and we look forward to working together. But a lot of the people within G3 Ministries, the, the audience of G3, they're going to know you already. Um, but uh, take just a moment to introduce yourself. Talk to, to, to us about uh, a little bit about your background and, and again, uh, your family life and, and a little bit about your college football preferences right. as well. We might, yeah. we might ease up on that yeah. for just a bit. Okay. But no, uh, man, excited to be again, to be a part of, of G3 Ministries. It's a ministry that I've admired uh, from afar and up close. Uh, for quite some time. And so, man, it is an incredible honor uh, to be a part of, of what's happening with G3 and, where, and the direction uh, where you're going with the conference. From a standpoint of me, uh, I'm just a normal everyday guy. Uh, previously to this position, I was working at Westside Church. I was the discipleship pastor there for about six years. Uh, prior to that, I come from uh, upstate New York, if you can believe that. I uh, actually come from upstate New York, Utica, New York, for those who may or may not be familiar uh, with New York. By way of Oklahoma, I tell people I got to Oklahoma as soon as I possibly could. Um, enjoyed life there. I graduated from high school there um, and met my wife there, actually there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and uh, we would soon move after marriage to Oklahoma City. Uh, I served in a variety of capacities, uh, from being in the military prior service. I actually had a stint at the Pentagon, uh, where I worked there for quite some time and uh, did some different things for an organization called DACOWITS, the Defense Advisory Council on Women in the Services. And so that really exposed me to a whole nother level of doing things. It was almost like a college education working at the Pentagon. Uh, it, it, it took me a minute to get through the, the college piece. Uh, I, I got uh, graduated as an adult uh, and, uh, for, through college, mainly due, due to finances. I had to pay my own way and make my own way through college. My parents could, just couldn't afford it. That's just kind of how, how we, we, we were. Uh, I would finish up college uh, eventually as an adult and uh, get into pharmaceutical sales. And so I, I, I tell people laugh, jokingly, I'm the dope man, but, but don't take that too far. Um, enjoy uh, doing that whole thing in, in, uh, uh, in, in the pharmaceutical sales arena. And uh, man, I really, really kind of cut my teeth on getting in front of groups, uh, presenting well in front of physicians uh, and, and helping them to understand, for, for them to be engaged in, um, in, in, in sales and, and, and the like. So I did that for quite some time. I would finish up my MBA. Uh, and, uh, and then from that point on, uh, we moved from Oklahoma to Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I tell people with that move, uh, it, you know, the O's worked, right? Omaha, from Oklahoma City to Omaha. Uh, I would manage a team uh, of, of nine sales reps in three states. Uh, and so did that for about three or four years. And really at that point, uh, I, I, the call to ministry had really begun to draw. Uh, I, I just turned 40, and if you're you know, a young guy, at, at, at about 40, you go, what am I going to do for the rest of my life, right? Uh, so for me, it was a matter of really deciding, okay, uh, I've got to figure this thing out, and, and for the most part, had been running from a call to ministry. Uh, so I, I decided, you know what, I need to pursue this, was using my... Um, my, my uh, uh, giftings and talents, my money uh, to pay for a seminary. Uh, so every bonus check that I got from pharma, uh, I was you know, using that to pay for my, my theological education. Uh, 
my, my uh, local church was kind enough at that point to say, you know what, we see what you're doing, we see where you are and the giftings that you have. We would love for you to think about a position uh, here at the church. And uh, initially I told them no. Uh, one, I d had not finished my theological education. Uh, two, my thought was, you know, how am I going to make all of this work? Uh, we did, and uh, glad that we did. We, my wife and I made the move uh, to do that. I've got my wife, Tamika, I mentioned. Uh, we got three kiddos, my daughter, Princess. Uh, she's the oldest, she's 21. Uh, my, uh, my oldest son, uh, Princeton, is 18, and my youngest son, Price, uh, who's 16. So we still got two, two guys at home that we're, that we're working with and trying to, trying to navigate through life. But that's, that's kind of the long version of, of, of the story of, of Virgil Walker and kind of how we landed here. So Very good. Yeah. One of the things that excites me about working with you, Virgil, and you coming on with G3 Ministries is, again, you have a pastor's heart. Again, even uh, just a role of discipleship pastor, focusing on you know, discipling people in the faith. Yeah. So let's just talk a little bit about G3 and some of the goals that we have. You know, conference goals, uh, curriculum, yeah. literature goals. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about this next conference. So mm -hmm. Christology is the theme. Right. Obviously, you couldn't have a, a more important subject than Jesus Christ. Right. And so uh, what excites you about this next October? Yeah, everything, right? <laughs> everything excites me about October. The fact that man, we're living in a culture that's growing ever dark. Uh, and it's important and imperative that we begin to equip the body of Christ to understand that we need to lift the banner of Jesus Christ high, uh, that we need to have a robust understanding of Christology, uh, whether it's, a, whether it's a looking at uh, Colossians 1 and understanding the nature of who Christ is and, and His coming, uh, whether it's, it's in our local environments and where, where again, darkness pervades, uh, and we have a, a responsibility to lift Christ high. I think it's going to be incredibly important for people to understand a doctrine of, of, of Christ, right? To have a, have a clear Christology as they present Christ uh, to, to a public, to a dying world that absolutely mm -hmm. needs Him. Yeah. yeah. As we think about moving forward and some of the, you know, the, the goals that we have with G3 Ministries, specifically that of, of developing, you know, top shelf theological material, mm -hmm. Uh, to be used within the context of the local church. And the idea is for us just to give it away for free. Right. The, the, the idea is for us to put it in the hands of people so that at the push of a button, they could download it. They can use it for their personal study. They can use it for family worship. Yes. They could use it for, you know, small groups, men's groups, women's groups, Sunday school material. Again, we, we believe that this is something that would help local churches become strong, robust, healthy, Talk to us about that and what excites you. If, there, if there's anything that I'm most excited about, Josh, it's that. I, I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful for, for G3 and the conference and what I've experienced. And uh, I shared with you earlier as we kind of talked to a group about its impact on me and on my personal ministry. But what had the greatest impact on me personally in ministry was the equipping that I received from resources through the G3 conference. I remember you and I talking a while back where you had, made, you had mentioned the fact that you wanted to take G3 from a format that was a conference that had resources to a resource base that has 
an incredible conference. And so I cannot wait to be a part of uh, equipping the saints for work of ministry. I look at what I'm doing, not only as a promotion in, in so many ways from a standpoint of, of, of the title and the job, uh, but I also look at it from a standpoint of just the breadth and depth that we'll have. I, I, my job doesn't really change that much, right? It changes from a standpoint of where it's happening. And now I'm able to affect more and more churches as a result through, through G3 and all the connections that are there. But uh, yeah, I, I could not be more passion filled and excited about what's going to happen and what people are going to experience as a result of this transformation. Yeah. yeah. We're looking to build a network of pastors uh, for the purpose of, you know, uh, again, just solid relationships that can encourage one another, help them in difficult circumstances. Mm. Um, what excites you about working with, with pastors yeah. as you come alongside them and help them in the context of their local church? One of the things that, that really excites me is, is I've actually been there. So I've been in that seat. I understand what they're walking through. I understand church budget. I understand church polity. I understand uh, the nature of trying to trying to accomplish some things in a local context. It's one thing to show up at a conference and to be ecstatic, excited about what you're experiencing in that space. And then going home and trying to implement that in real time becomes challenging. I've been there. I know that. I've done that. And so I'm looking forward uh, to connecting with, with pastors around the country and having those honest conversations about what it looks like to take something that they saw work well in a specific space at a, at a conference or through a workshop uh, and talk them through how to navigate that in their local context for what they're walking through. Yeah. Yeah. So now here we are with this transition of G3. Obviously, we're going to have our national conference in October of 2021 here in Atlanta. In fact, just a couple of blocks from here. Looking forward to gathering with some, you know, 6,000 people from around the world. It's going to be an exciting time. But as we think beyond 2021 to 2022, when we will not have that national conference, but we will have what we're now going to be offering as regional conferences, in various places. So here on the, the new G3 website that's been released recently, we have an application for people to apply yes. for maybe the usage of their local church campus right. in a dark region where the gospel light is more dim. Right. But we can build a network and we can encourage and come alongside mm -hmm. pastors in those regions and help mm -hmm. them. So Speak to that if yeah. you will. Yeah, I, I'm, that, that's, a, that's a unique opportunity uh, for a local pastor to bring a, a, just a, a little bit of the G3 experience into their local context. Now this goes from some, simply coming and hearing speakers speak to really rolling up the sleeves of being invested in a specific space and place and allowing people to really begin to put the tools together uh, for what they need to navigate with regard to whether it's whether it's expositional preaching, uh, having an understanding about how to do proper biblical hermeneutics, uh, whether it may even be an, an, an issue or subject matter that we've come and, and maybe dissect or unpack to a greater degree. Man, those kinds of things are incredibly, incredibly exciting moving forward. And again, having relationship with the pastors and what G3 has done with those pastors from from its in from you know from its inception um, and that's exciting to think about as far as what's going to happen moving yeah. forward so you know the heartbeat of g3 and you know how we are very much interested in strengthening local churches we do believe that jesus died for his church yes. the church is the bride of christ mm -hmm. so we, we we don't try to seek to bring people away from and their affections away right. from right. the local church right and just be chasing conference after conference, you know, around the, the country, so right, to speak. Right. Um, we do believe that there's a value for conferences, 
but that is subpar to their relationship and their engagement in the life of a local church. Mm -hmm. And so we want to continuously be engaging in that way. Mm -hmm. And as we think about the importance of the local church, we also must think in terms of the, the threat to the local church right. and the cultural uh, you know, controversies right. and, and the heresies that mm -hmm. consistently attack the very bride of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we want to do within G3 Ministries is we don't want to be the type of ministry within evangelicalism that's seeking to just be that fence-straddling ministry. Right. We don't want to just be a middle-of-the-road kind of guy, right. you know, and voices and, and a ministry itself. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is we want to actually deal with those issues, and we want to boldly defend the faith. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of that yeah. in, in our approach moving forward. So Absolutely. we're actually going to, you know, deal with the issues, yeah. Yeah. and we're, and we're going to talk about the issues. Yes. Now, we do think that there's a right way and a wrong way to do that, and everything that's controversial is not necessarily heresy, right? Mm -hmm, right. But if it is heresy, if it is another gospel, right. then we need to be honest about that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So let's talk about this controversy that's been facing the church recently, mm -hmm. the controversy of social justice. Yeah, yeah. So back in 2018, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm rolling along, and I'm seeing these things, and with another group of guys, we, we get together, and We organize this meeting in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. We talk about the problems of social justice. Mm -hmm. um, and then we decide, uh, as I started that meeting that day, I said, what we're going to do at this table is we're going to gripe and complain. We're going to bellyache. Sure. We're going to assess the problems. Yep. And then we'll come back in the afternoon and we'll talk about solutions. And so we did that. And then in the afternoon session, we, we decided that we felt it would be best to come up with a statement, a robust theological statement, mm -hmm. and then encourage fellow believers to sign that statement and to stand with us mm -hmm. against this, this issue uh, that's attacking the very gospel of Jesus. Yeah. Now, coming on the, after the release of the statement, we had a lot of, of individuals, um, especially the, the big Eva elites, mm -hmm. that were pushing back against us. Right. And, and they were saying things like, well, what social justice movement. Right. right. There isn't a movement. Right. And yet um, beyond 2018, we go into 2019 and we see the Southern Baptist Convention adopting Resolution 9, mm -hmm. which is on critical race theory and intersectionality and to encourage the churches that make up the SBC right. to use those very tools yep. as analytical, analytical tools, tools for yeah. gospel ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And then moving beyond 2019 into 2020. And then we have the Black Lives Matter movement, and we have those same big Eva leaders that were saying, what social justice movement? Right. Now they're marching in the streets mm -hmm. in Black Lives Matter movements mm -hmm. and rallies mm -hmm. and taking pictures and posting it on their Twitter account. Right. Now, so we, we, we know that there is a movement. Sure there, there is. There is a legitimate movement. Absolutely. And so let's talk a little bit about this movement mm -hmm. and what the church's response should be. Yeah. So when you see someone like Eric Mason, for instance, mm -hmm. writing a book, and he's attaching the term woke to church, church, and the word woke comes from the black nationalist movement. Absolutely. So how should we respond? How should we think about that? Yeah, yeah, man, there was, there, you, you shared a lot in that. A couple of things that I want to deal with specifically. First of all, um, 
what G3 has done and what you've done through your leadership with regard to focusing on the local church is imperative. It's incredibly important. Um, I, I definitely am, am, have been blown away uh, by the fact that this G3 is a national conference that I would go to every year, year after year. And year after year, what I would leave with was the importance of my local setting. I remember you closing out a number of G3s uh, by, by giving that admonition. Now, this has been a great conference and we love this conference, but you are about to go and get into the field where the real work is done. And so you would unpack that for people. And I think that's important uh, for us to know, remember, and think through. Um, with regard to the issue of social justice, um, you're right. It, it's, it's been something that's been, been brewing that people have kind of ignored or thought, or, or at least big EVA leaders have kind of come to believe that, you know, there's, there is no movement. There is no movement. We were hearing the same thing uh, in 2018. Hey, there is no movement. I think the boldness of the leadership that said, let's sit down, walk through what's there, and then develop a statement was massive. And the reason why I say that is because of what I began to see in early 2019. What I began to see in 2019 are people, especially because of the issues of the day, and, and especially in 2020 after George Floyd, what began to take place was this thing that was not a movement seemed to show up in the pulpits across the country. And what, what people were, were dealing with in that instance was, wait a minute, I think my pastor just went woke. Um, I, I shared with you earlier uh, that, that, you know, as, as we were beginning to have conversations around this subject matter and putting it out in social media and the different environments uh, that, that I'm a part of, the circles that, that I'm in, we, we began to get emails from thousands of people across the country who were wondering, what do, what do I now do? I've been told that I'm a racist because I'm white. Uh, I've been told that I have white privilege. I've been told that I need to repent of my whiteness. And I have no idea what that is. Uh, they're being told that, that blackness is something that they need to embrace and that blackness is not necessarily a color, but it's actually a, a, a stream of consciousness, a stream of thought that needs to be embraced for the purpose of salvation. I mean, what we have is ethnic, ethnic salvation. Eth mm. Ethnicity is now salvific. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of thing that we're hearing in the pulpits mm -hmm. and being preached from, from leaders. Um, I, I'm appreciative of the fact that, that, that G3 has drawn a line in the sand mm. uh, with the man who sat aside in, in 2018 and wisely said, we're gonna craft a statement. And this is what we mean. And this is how we're defining things. And again, this is a battle of language uh, as we address it. But, but this is something that, that's very serious, that needs to be taken seriously. Uh, I read a quote earlier from, from uh, Dr. John MacArthur that said of all the polemic battles that he has seen come and go over the course of his 50 plus years mm -hmm. in ministry, that the issue of social justice is one of the most insidious that needs to be taken very, very seriously. Yeah. And I, I think he's right about that. Yeah. I was just with Dr. MacArthur recently and I asked that very same question. I said, you know, back at the table in Dallas, he made that statement mm -hmm. uh, to everyone at the table. He said that it is the most dangerous movement mm -hmm. that he's seen in his lifetime, mm -hmm. perhaps in the last 100 years wow. to face the church. Wow. So now having gone through what we have as a church since 2018 to, to present date, mm -hmm. I asked if he still believed that to be the case. And mm -hmm. he said, without hesitation, absolutely. Yeah. And so even far more than the charismatic controversies mm -hmm. or, you know, the, you know, the other issues that have faced the church, the issue of social justice is a complex issue. Mm -hmm. Now, when you hear people talking 
uh, within, you know, just cultural conversations within the church or even outside of the church, they typically use that terminology of race. Sure. And yet there's one human race, but yet we hear that language thrown around. So talk to us just a little bit about race and the conversation that we hear and how we should you know, push back against that. Yeah, I think one of the problems that we're seeing uh, with regard to the issue is, and, and, and I think it, it goes back to the statement that Dr. MacArthur made, why it's so insidious, uh, why, why it's so dangerous. I think the reason for that is believers don't have a biblical anthropology. Mm. Believers are not opening up their Bible and explaining what we're seeing in culture through biblical categories and through biblical terminology. Understanding that, that Acts 17, 26 is going to tell us that, that God created by, through one man every nation of mankind on the face of the earth. And the word nations there, as you well know, is, is the Greek word ethnos, which is where we get our terminology ethnicity. So if we understand that we are one human race made up of multiple ethnicities, we're not confused when the culture says that there are races of people, right? The idea, this idea of races is something that was designed by Samuel Morton uh, with his craniometry in the late 1800s, where he found the skulls of different people, different individuals, and said, this large skull is the, is the Caucasoid, this smaller skull is the, is, is the, is the Mongoloid, is what he, the terminology he used. This was the first uh, ident identification of of uh, scientific racism that we see and where races are different uh, because of the melanin in their skin. And when people are using races and, and using that terminology, what they're using is an idea that was instituted for the purpose of segregation in the first place. I mean, th those who were using that terminology and the idea of craniometry, which is what Samuel Morton brought to bear, uh, were doing so for the purpose of continuing, in, to continuing slavery. Uh, that's what they were doing. And here we are in, in 20 20, uh, validating races and individuals uh, on the basis of, of eth ethnicity uh, using unbiblical language. And when you, when you walk away from the pages of scripture with regard to biblical language, you walk onto the turf of the world and you will find yourself in great danger in that space. Yeah. So again, it's a sufficiency of scripture issue. It's an absolute sufficiency of scripture issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So recently, uh, several months back, um, Awana, so Awana is a large ministry and a lot of local churches use their, their materials mm -hmm. and have Awana programs within their church. Mm -hmm. We happen to have had an Awana ministry mm -hmm. for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a couple of months back, they had an article that just appeared on their website, how to talk to your kids mm -hmm. about racial equality. Mm. And interestingly enough, at the, at the bottom of the of the article, they were citing some helpful resources. And one of those resources happened to be from James Cone. Mm. So here you have a WANA, wow. which is actually designed to disciple children right. in the context of local churches. Right. Now promoting the works of James Cone. How right. dangerous is that? that that's, that's, that's violence as far as I'm concerned, to a, to a culture that does not need that. And here, here's what I mean by that. James Cone, for those who don't know, uh, is the father of black liberation theology. Uh, he's, the, he's the man who, who looked at his condition, uh, and really not his condition, but historically, the conditions of black people, slavery and the like, 
and then, and then implanted them on the pages of Scripture. So that what happens in that instance is Jesus becomes one who is for the, uh, for the oppressed. Uh, and, and everyone else are, are the oppressors. And so you begin to develop unbiblical categories based upon a, an epistemological hermeneutic that's, that's, that's standpoint, right? It's their own point of view. It's, I've got this view of the history of slavery. I'm going to put those lenses on. I'm going to now look at scripture and examine the pages of scripture through that lens. And so for someone like Awana, who, who, who as far as I know, held to some level of biblical inerrancy and sufficiency, uh, to point to an unbiblical, ungodly um, person, a, a system, systematic theologian is what he was, uh, like James Cone is, is absolutely wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. it's absolutely wrong. Yeah. As we think about uh, the, the current movement within evangelicalism, mm -hmm. you have certain uh, evangelical leaders that are suggesting that we need to assess the health of our local church based upon racial diversity within that local church. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that type of assessment? And is that really a, a true biblical assessment right. of a local church's health? Well, well if, we, if we understand that the church is Christ's church, and that according to Revelation, he is going to bring every tribe, tongue, and nation into that church that, it, that he intends to bring in. Uh, I'm confident he'll finish his work. And so as a result of that, there's no assessment that needs to be done as to whether or not we've got the right black, red, brown, yellow individual in the congregation. Uh, that's foolhearted. Um, God is going to call who he's going to call on the basis of the grace that he's extended uh, to, to believers. And the Holy Spirit is the one who draws. And so are we going to make an assessment of, of how well the Holy Spirit is actually doing with bringing certain people into uh, the church as a, as a result of the ethnic, ethnic makeup of a particular church? That's foolishness. Uh, we shouldn't be involved in that. We should be involved in preaching the gospel with crystal clarity and allowing God by his spirit to draw men's hearts unto himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. Back in 1989, a, a liberal progressive named Kimberly Crenshaw, she, she coined a, a term intersectionality. Mm -hmm. And we're hearing that term thrown around even within the context of the Southern Baptist Convention, mm -hmm. um, using intersectionality as an analytical tool for right. ministry. Can you give us a simple definition of intersectionality? Right. Well, yeah. intersectionality is standpoint epistemology. Right. It's it's the it's the term that that Vody coined ethnic Gnosticism. It's the idea that I have an understanding of truth uh, more clearly than you do because of the level of melanin in my skin, as if melanin somehow uh, gives me an, an, an eye into the window of truth that a lack of melanin uh, does not provide. Uh, truth has no care for how tan you are or aren't. Uh, truth is objective. It's a standard of God. And, and it's it, that's the standard. But when we in, insert, the, again, the world's terminology, uh, the world's uh, faulty anthropology onto mankind, we get ideas like like intersectionality, where one person's truth is deemed more valued or valuable or, or uh, one person's um, uh, th their thoughts, their ideas are deemed more valuable than someone else's based upon the intersections of victimhood that they can connect themselves to, right? So if I'm a black man, I've got one intersection of victimhood that I could claim. Uh, if I were a, a black female and then a black female who happens to be trans, I mean, all of these intersections of victimhood allow you to have a better window into truth. That's standpoint epistemology by definition. That's ethnic Gnosticism by definition. Mm -hmm. 
So what's happening within evangelicalism is that we are trading our and, and replacing our theology yes. with victimology. Absolutely. And then rather than, you know, having scholars who are, you know, teaching proper theology, mm -hmm. we're looking to sociologists yes. to lecture us and to point us to levels of victimhood. Absolutely. And so this is what we've termed the grievance gospel. Absolutely. With their own canon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the grievance gospel is another gospel mm -hmm. other than the gospel of Jesus. Absolutely. So talk to us a bit about the danger of what we're now calling heresy. I mean, this is heretical teaching, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, 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 Paul tells you that if, if we are obtain anything else and other than what he preached, right, uh, we, we need to be an anathema. We, we, we should be damned for doing so. And, and what we're hearing right now uh, in the culture uh, is, not, is not the gospel that Paul preached. It's not this gospel, this quote unquote gospel of grievance is, is foreign to the pages of Scripture. Uh, this is not something that any any church at any other time in any other century has ever preached that we can walk around uh, appealing to a gospel of grievance and then appealing to uh, some ethnic salvation. Right. I have to repent of whiteness. I have to adapt blackness in order to be saved or I have to be engaged in the in in anti-racist works for the purpose of salvation. That's what we're hearing right now in the culture. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. As we think about this current moment, the controversy related to social justice mm -hmm. coming on the, you know, the aftermath of the George Floyd incident, all of this is, is extremely confusing for a lot of Christians. Yeah, it is. Now there are, there are people that know better and they're leading in a leftward direction. Mm -hmm. And we obviously we're going to call their names. We're going to point out the, the, the problems of their teaching. Um, and, and we consistently do that. And we will consistently do that. Mm -hmm. But we also need to be mindful of the fact that we have a lot of people that are in the middle. OK, here we are over here on this side and we're sure. saying that's just flat wrong. Right. You know, it's 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 another gospel. Right. It's it, it's not in line or in step with Scripture. Right. But then you have other guys saying the opposite. Mm -hmm. OK. And then you have a, a, a mass of people in the middle. Sure. And some of those people have been accustomed to following the leadership of these once trusted voices. Sure or institutions, yep. and they're just confused. Mm -hmm. And again, you're seeing a lot of what we're calling virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea of, well, you know, if we, if we claim that that's wrong, or if we claim that this person is being uh, abused, mm -hmm. or if they're a victim, mm -hmm. then we look really good to the, to the masses within right. evangelicalism. Right. And so a lot of people, and a lot of young people, mm -hmm. are being caught up in this, in this idea of, well, I need to get on social media and make a statement about this, and right. apologize, right. and stand up and read a script, right. you know, and ask for forgiveness. You know, because I've been, you know, someone who's been oppressing people because right. I'm white right. or whatever right. else. Right. What would you say to the, the, the masses that are confused? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there are a lot of folks in that particular space. Um, I had a great conversation earlier this evening uh, with a gentleman who kind of reminded me, hey, there's this mass in the middle. And we've got to speak to them with, with clarity. And I think we start by, for example, if we use the George Floyd incident. I think we start by explaining and understanding that what happened uh, to George Floyd is, is, is sad. I mean, it's heartbreaking. I remember watching the incident in and of itself and just my, my heart leapt out of, out of my chest and, and I wanted to cry out, get off of the guy's neck. Yeah. 
Um, I, think, I think that those who are in the middle want to see and know that there's a care in those of us who are standing against social justice. They want to know that you, you care about this incident. My response is absolutely. And we have valid biblical reason and rationale for our care. Uh, this individual is an image bearer of God, Genesis 127. What we've done in our culture is we've minimized the Imago Dei and we've amplified melanin. That's the problem. And so what we end up needing to see in that instance is, well, if you're a certain level of melanin or you have a certain melanin count, then you're more upset, right? And so since you have a certain high melanin count that matches the victim in this instance, you're more aggrieved or more saddened than anyone else. And because of that, you have evangelical leaders who are, who are telling their congregations, well, you, you know, black folk, were a little bit more saddened by George Floyd for this reason. Well, what have those evangelical leaders done? They have minimized the Imago Dei, and they've not connected themselves to the horrifying sadness that we all should see experience, regardless of the nature of the death, that an image bearer actually lost their lives. So for those in the middle, I think we've got to articulate our care, our concern, our compassion, our sadness uh, about those things, but on the basis of truth, on the basis of how scripture informs us, which is these are image bearers of God who have lost their life. And that's something that's absolutely tragic. Um, when we think about this social justice movement, we have people that are marching in the streets outraged at the death of a George Floyd, right. but they turn you know, a blind eye to the the abortion problem. Right. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Well, I, I, I often leverage the language of Black Lives Mattering at the abortion mill. Uh, I, I, I've spent the last seven years uh, on the, uh, you know, on the on the corner of, a, of an abortion clinic there in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, where I live, uh, and I, I see, unfortunately, while uh, blacks represent 13% of the population, 8% of those are women. They represent 31 to 39% of the abortions that actually take place uh, at the abortion clinic. And so oftentimes I'm there, they are shocked to see another person who looks like them standing at the corner. So again, I'm, I'm, one, of a, I'm one of the only ones that look like me that are there. And again, I, I don't say that for any other reason than to, than to simply make the point uh, that, that where's, where's Black Lives Matter? Yeah. Do those black lives actually matter? And, and we know uh, time and time again that, that, they, that they don't. And the reason for that is because they don't fit a particular agenda. Earlier you mentioned the, the prosperity gospel and how that was something that we, that we you know, have, have kind of repudiated. It's kind of, kind of been marginalized to a degree. This social justice gospel is very similar to the prosperity gospel in that they're ready to advocate for that which they believe will draw more money into their coffers. Mm. So these two things are one and the same with regard to their modus operandi. They're calling for reparations. They're calling for companies and companies by the by the hundreds are stepping up to invest tens of millions of dollars into their coffers. Uh, and they're doing so for a particular reason. So if the if the issue, if the narrative doesn't support their movement and it doesn't allow them to draw money, they're not interested. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what we're interested in, you know, continuing this dialogue. Absolutely. We're interested in, you know, as far as G3 Ministries is concerned, to continue to push back against these cultural controversies, to speak truth in the midst of confusion, mm. to bring light in the midst of darkness. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a thrill to work with you, brother. Looking forward to it. I want to give you the final word 
as we close this podcast mm. today, as we look forward to you transitioning and, and engaging in G3 yeah. Ministries. Well, man, I'm incredibly excited, brother, to be with you, uh, to be partnering with you in this way, to be working with the incredible group of people uh, that you've put together to make G3 uh, everything it is. I'm looking forward uh, to the hope that we share in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaiming that with crystal clarity everywhere we go, uh, and, to, and to saddle up, because we're, we're in for a ride, uh, but I'm looking forward to the challenge. So, Amen. Yeah. God bless you, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.